0: Well, welcome to another Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're going to talk about America, American heritage, uh, whether or not America is still a Christian nation, were we ever a Christian nation? Uh, The answer to that question is yes, but (laughs) Um, Jerry Newcomb is going to join me from the uh, Providence Forum uh, in just a couple of moments to talk about that very issue in a new DVD series that they have about American independence and about... uh, Uh, the road to independence and how God's fingerprints are all over it. Doesn't mean we haven't tried to wrestle it away from him as human beings, but uh, uh, boy, we certainly have a history. Um, And then, of course, today being Super Tuesday, every Tuesday all the way up through now it's August the 2nd. So we are getting closer and closer to election day in all of our broadcast areas. Um, And of course, with early elections uh, happening, mail-in voting and things like that, um, the election season is much more important than just saying, get out and vote on Tuesday, November 8th. And The midterms are going to be interesting, very, very interesting, because there's talk of a red wave. Uh, red, of course, is the color that is associated with the Republican Party. hasn't always, always been that way. As a matter of fact, if you remember, I'm uh, thinking back to when I was a kid, when I was a child, um, thinking about how the networks used to depict the Democrat Party in the color red and the Republican Party in the color blue, and psychologists will tell you that blue is a very neutral color. I'm wearing a blue shirt today. I love blue. It's my favorite color. It used to be green when I was a kid, but that's because my sister's favorite color was blue. And my best friend who lived next door, was favorite color was green. So I decided I'd be like him. And then I realized, wait a minute, blue is soothing and neutralizing. And whenever I have to write anything that <laughs> might be perceived as bad news to people, like when I was a program director at a radio station, and we used to get tons of people who wanted to audition to be on the station, whenever I sent out my form letter telling them, sorry, we're not hiring, I always signed it in a blue pen. Everyone joked about Rogers friendly blue pen. Um, But the parties, starting with the 2000 election, all the media got together and they did two things. First of all, CNN had invested something like 35 million bucks, a lot of money at the time, in a kind of a voting predicting mechanism that was super advanced software. It would probably be super obsolete by now. Uh, that was designed to help them pick the winner of the 2000 presidential election before anybody else. And secondly, all the networks uh, colluded uh, and conspired to where the Democrat Party would be listed in blue and the Republican Party would be listed in red, because red is a more volatile color. Um, Remember uh, First Lady Nancy Reagan, when President Ronald Reagan was president, used to always wear red so she'd stand out. Um, Red was basically the media decided to demonize the Republican Party and kind of normalize and neutralize the Democrat Party. And for a lot of people it worked. I mean, you would be amazed at how many people uh, take their cues from the media and they're all visual cues, very few verbal. Remember 93% of communication is nonverbal. And so when you are watching television, they really don't care what they're saying as long as they can get some good sound bites out of it. The most important thing is what does it look like they're saying And what is that little uh, bottom third of the screen? That little banner that's up there, that's what they want you to pay attention to. So you may think you're watching Jake Tapper, Rachel Maddow, or something like that, but that bottom third of the screen is where the whole story is. And then if they really wanna get sophisticated, remember back in the old days of the businesses and the stock market and stuff, the ticker tape used to go along the bottom telling you what was happening. Uh, They call that a crawl in the industry. And the crawl is the story kind of expanded. Little bits, sidelines, headlines, things like that. And basically, most of the media wants you to believe the Democrats are all good, the Republicans are all bad, et cetera, et cetera. Well, more and more people have been bucking that trend. We've talked about this here in the People's Republic of California how, when it comes to registered voters, the assumption is California is quote unquote a blue state because it always votes Democrat. But if you look at the population, centers of the People's Republic. There are 58 counties in California, and about 31 of them lean more heavily Democrat, 27 of them lean more heavily Republican. That doesn't sound like a, an overwhelming domination. Now, when you look at the actual numbers involved, yeah, it's big, because all the big counties have Democratic majorities, and, uh, or Democrat majorities, I should say, and all the smaller ones tend to lean a little more Republican. But California is kind of a bellwether state in that 48% of registered voters as of the last voting census are registered Democrat, 24 are registered Republican, and 24% are registered as no party preference. Now, there is where our first story comes from here on this Super Tuesday, because a number of Democrat and Republican officials who have said we are no longer affiliating ourselves with either of those parties, recently announced the launching of a third national political party. Uh, Reuters is reporting that uh, former Democratic presidential candidate, Andrew Yang, who came out of nowhere, businessman, didn't have any political experience to actually get some traction in 2020. And Christine Todd Whitman, the former Republican governor of New Jersey, are two of the dozens or so of these major party people who have launched what they call the forward party. The forward party is getting ready to hold a series of events at a couple dozen cities throughout the fall to roll out their platform and to attract support. Now, don't miss this because attracting support for these major parties means money. Remember the Peace and Freedom Party, and the Libertarian Party, and the Green Party? These are parties that have achieved some kind of level of national notoriety, but they really don't have a snowball's chance, and you know where, of actually getting one of their candidates elected. I know some independents get elected and maybe in some pocket areas of the US, but when it comes to president, remember Ralph Nader ran for president all those years, I think he was the Green Party guy and uh, because of the Corvair, you remember that whole scandal. and. He was always running for president, and I thought, why Why does he keep doing this? They barely get 3 4 5% of the vote. They don't really twist the election one way or the other. But then you begin to realize that there are federal campaign matching funds available to all the major parties. And if you get a certain percentage of the vote, you don't have to come close to even the first or second position. If you hit a certain threshold, then the federal funding kicks in. And so a lot of these parties subsist on a few wealthy donors who will bankroll them to a point. They go out and campaign in certain key areas where they know they can get support. Once they get 5% of the vote, then they hit their hands out for the federal election money. So in all honesty, and if you're part of one of those parties, I'm not suggesting that it's a fruitless cause, but rather just be realistic with the fact that until you get a huge number of people who say that they want to be part of your cause, you're not going to go anywhere. Well, the Forward Party, as some have pointed out, is kind of a silly name. I mean, because the only other major parties that have had Forward in them have been like Communist Chinese parties and things like that. It doesn't, if you're trying to attract the independent voter, the mid range voter, the person who used to be a liberal Democrat, but now progressives have taken over the whole party, or if you were kind of a moderate conservative and you're concerned that the GOP has gone full MAGA and you can't really get down with all of that stuff. They're trying to appeal to you. There are three political groups that have shown up in recent years as a reaction to this polarization. And they're actually, the Forward Party is going to have a national convention in Houston, Texas, on September the 24th. And uh, that's going to happen actually next summer. On September 24th. The uh, merger involves Renew America. And the Renew American movement that started last year, uh, several former officials of the uh, Reagan, both Bush's and Trump uh, administrations. Uh, the Forward Party was founded by Andrew Yang, who left the Democrat Party last year and became an independent. And the Serve America movement, which is a group of people, a former Republican congressman, Dave Jolly started this. Uh, it was Democrats, Republicans and independents. Now, There is an American independent party, and then there are people who are independent. But to be fair, in the primaries, you vote whatever your party affiliation is. But in the general election that happens every other November, the straw that stirs the drink are the people who are undecided or don't have a party affiliation. So Republicans can yell at Democrats till they're red in the face, and Democrats could yell at Republicans till they're blue in the face. But the decision or who's going to win president, governor, this, that, and the other thing, almost always lies in the hands of the independent or no party preference voter. And remember in California, 24% have no party preference and two more percent are part of the fringe party. So more than a quarter of the voters in the largest state in the union are not Republican or Democrat. So does the forward party actually have a chance? Well, Looking at the people who are involved in this, I don't see how they have a consensus that are going to bring them what they're looking for. But this one statistic is the one that keeps coming back to me asking the question, are you sure about that? And here's what it is. Gallup conducted a poll last year asking Americans after the 2020 election, after the January 6th debacle, after the impeachments, after all the you know committee hearings that we've seen, uh, on national television in prime time. And when you see, I mean, how blatantly now both parties will posture for position. Democrats are were responsible, I believe, for the leak of the Roe versus Wade overturning decision so that they could start fundraising. That, that's energizing their base. And the amount of money that they're raising off of this is should give Republicans cause for concern. Republicans, on the other hand, though, are preparing for a red wave where a lot of Democrats are going to get blown out of the water. Many progressive Democrats are already, you know, men and women who were elected over the last two terms are going to get their seats run over by either other Democrats or more moderate uh, Republicans. But the Gallup poll last year that got everybody's attention was the fact that the number of Americans who believe that the days of only Republican or Democrat are the straw that stirs the drink. 66% of Americans believe that America is ready for a third party. Maybe not the forward party, but they truly believe that America is ready for a third party. How about you? I would love to get your take on this. Drop me a line at TheBottomLineShow.com. That's TheBottomLineShow.com. I'd love to get your opinion on whether or not you think it's time for America to have a third party uh, that can actually compete with what's happening here. On the other side of this break, um, I've invited Jerry Newcomb to join me. Jerry is the uh, executive director of the Providence Forum. And there's a new video series. They have the Foundation of American Liberty video series uh, that includes uh, a look at the uh, America's Christian roots and what they call the road to independence. And what's interesting about this is uh, you could take a look at this from a couple different angles and say, in our DNA, it should be there. God's hand of providence has always been there, but like I said at the outset, oftentimes God's hand of providence has our fingerprints all over it and our scratch marks and our claw marks. We're saying, no, no, God, we don't want your providence. We want to do it our way. Uh, Jerry has some powerful things to say about this, and this series will kind of help reframe the argument about America's Christian heritage. Jerry Newcomb with the Providence Forum joining me next as the bottom line continues. You know, we just finished Independence Day Month uh, here in the United States. And of course, one of the things we talk about during the month of July is something we probably should be talking about more all throughout the rest of the year. And that's um, American liberty, American values and uh, American independence. And today here on The Bottom Line, I'm joined by Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who's the uh, writer, uh, director and the executive producer of a brand new series. He's the uh, executive director of Providence Forum. Uh, he's the also the man behind the brand new uh, television series uh, called The Road to Independence, which has just been released on DVD. And we've got a link for it up at show.com. Jerry Newcomb, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. It's good to see you. Thank you, Roger. Great to be with you. And I say good to see you. For those of us who are watching on, my hope now because we're actually this is our first Zoom experience uh, after all mm-hmm. these years of phone conversations. And mm-hmm. I think it's uh, wonderful to, to to see you. Though Jerry wins the battle of the books in his office, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerry, Ask me you, if I have read all those books? Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, well, that's for another conversation. Well, uh, I've, I've
1: read twi- some of them twice.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, that's that's even more impressive, uh, Jerry. Let's talk about American history because there's been a lot of conversation about you know Christian nationalism and the religious founding of our nation and there's a lot of confusion and a lot of concern um, l- let's talk about the american independence movement you know of course we just celebrated our 246th anniversary as a nation uh, talk about the religious element that drove that some people don't fully understand what that means
1: well you mentioned all the books behind me the see those that blue set right there hopefully i you can see mm-hmm. it right there yeah okay those are The the Annals of America, and my good friend Bill Federer first told me about the Annals of America. And it's a set of encyclopedias from the Encyclopedia Britannica Company, 1976, and it's about 20 different volumes. And they're basically the important documents in American history. And volumes one, two, and three deal with the settling era and the founding era of America, including the time that the founding fathers came together and so forth. And all the major, major documents in American history are in those volumes, plus a little bit of a preface for each particular one. So including the Mayflower Compact and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and so forth. But Christianity played a very significant role. You could see it in the Annals of America. You could see it online in the Avalon Project of Yale University, where they have all the key American documents online and available, plus not only America, but they go way back in, in Western civilization. So hundreds of years, you know, Magna Carta and so forth. And bottom line is the Christian faith played a very critical role, especially in the founding of America in this way. That uh, and, and this is just one aspect in the 1700s. Now, when you deal with the 1600s, you have even a lot more evidence as well. Mm-hmm. But here we go. The Great Awakening was a very important move to help unify and get the the 13 separate colonies, disparate colonies. If they ever needed something from England, they would have to have some representative go back and forth from their colony to England and so forth. But the colonies were really not in communication with each other. And two developments in the mid 1700s changed that. The first being the first great awakening. The other Mm -hmm. development was the the French and Indian War, which was a a significant event. In fact, it was because Great Britain won that French and Indian War and they spent so many resources to defend the American colonies, they turned around and just stuck Americans with the bill without any any input from Americans. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the whole taxation without representation became such a, a, a sticking point between the two. But but the that Great Awakening was such an incredible movement uh, that, that unified so many Americans and got them talking with each other. And also it helped it, it caused a revolution in their hearts. John Adams said that the, the revolution was really in the hearts and minds of the people a generation or so before the whole push for independence. And, and it was that. That great awakening that made such a difference. The first man who possibly went into all the different colonies in, in, in you know, British North America, in other words, the thirteen colonies, was uh, George Whitfield, the great hmm. Calvinist preacher yes. from England, who came over and over and over, and he managed to, by the God's grace, because it's only by God's grace that anybody gets converted. But he managed to convert lots and lots of people as he preached the gospel, and he worked towards uh unity uh, you know among them you know for example one of his messages and we bring it out in the in the uh the road to independence and so forth. one of his messages was uh, father abraham whom do you have in heaven do you have any presbyterians there nope do you have any anglicans there nope do you have any methodists there nope 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 we don't know those names up here we only have christians up here you know and Mm. so you know anyway the this uh This move of the spirit of God really helped push things forward. And then a second thing that's really important, the the ministers preached what the Bible says about all of life, especially in New England, the ministers, the pulpits of New England. And and so there was a, a strong way in which they preached liberty and independence. And so you had this incredible push for independence once The colonists' rights as Englishmen, and they were Englishmen, and therefore they had all the due privileges under the British Constitution, which is different than our Constitution. The British Constitution, I I learned this from Dr. Donald S. Lutz. uh, He said the British Constitution was really a whole bunch of volumes with several different factors to it or different angles to it, Mm -hmm. including court decisions and, and the Magna Carta and the Bill of Rights from 1688 and so forth. But our Constitution was just a short, brief document patterned after the biblical concept of covenant. Mm-hmm. And that's dealt with, by the way, in another one of the series of the Foundation of American Liberties. I've made seven different programs on our Christian roots, our Judeo-Christian roots. But we go from the Mayflower Compact and the, from the pilgrims, we whose names are written or underwritten, having to, undertaken a voyage for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, they made a biblical-type covenant in the Mayflower cabin, the cabin of the Mayflower, before setting a foot on American soil, and that ultimately led the way to "We the People." Mm. And uh, but the the ministers preached liberty, and then when the rights of the English of the Englishmen who were colonists in America kept getting infringed over and over and over, they reached a point where. Some of the ministers were actually saying that the king, for does all intents and purposes, unking himself Hmm. when he keeps violating these laws. And he's violating what the apostle, the inspired apostle, talking about Paul, the apostle Paul, in Romans 13, what he has laid down for us here in Romans 13. So they basically came to the point where some of them were saying, along the lines of the Calvinists, the French Huguenots, that disobedience against tyrants is obedience toward God, mm. and so there was a sense in which there was a push for that, and there were a lot of ministers that actually assisted at the time when, when the, the British were invading and so forth. It was a, the, a lot of the ministers that were helping to uh, you know, further independence. For example, the shot heard around the world, which is the attack from the British that actually sparked the whole war. Right. April 19th, 1775. But what happened in that shot of the herd around the world? For example, the first stop was in Lexington as they were on their way to Concord. And in Lexington, the it was basically the members, the male members of the Jonas Clark. He was the minister at the Church of Lexington. He had prepared his men, the male members, which became the Minutemen. Uh, for that very hour. And he said, don't shoot on them. Don't don't fire on them. But hold your arms and just stand there and stand your ground. Mm -hmm. And they said, don't fire unless you're fired upon. Right. And so forth. So there was a a very strong way in which ministers preached liberty. And in fact, they were derisively called the Black Robe Regiment. There was no regiment composed of preachers. But they were so called that because they were
0: so uh, helpful yeah. to the the push for independence. Wow, that's a def- fascinating testimony from dr jerry newcomb today here on the bottom line the executive director of providence forum and the mastermind behind this brand new video series called the road to independence uh, which if you are watching and have been watching uh truths to transform the ministry of dr d james kennedy uh, this was their broadcast feature all throughout the month of july we've got a link for the trailer up at the thebottomlineshow.com more of this exciting and informative conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits,
2: and inflation benefits all at the same time. You know, I had a client come in this morning, and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. I said, you've got an account right now that's one-dimensional. It's paying you 6% for the next three years, and that's the one dimension it has. I said, 4D money has four dimensions. It'll pay you 4 to 6% a year, but it has three additional dimensions. Number one, it'll provide you with long-term care benefits. Number two, it'll provide you with permanent income benefits. And number three, it'll provide you with inflation benefits, all under the heading of 4D money. So when I explain these things to people, they say, well, you know, that sounds too good to be true. I said, I know, but we have got millions and millions of dollars of clients' money in these accounts, and it's in black and white. It's true. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson
0: Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Fascinating conversation with Jerry Newcomb today here on The Bottom Line. Jerry's the executive director of the Providence Forum. We have a link for their website, providenceforum.org, up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're talking about this uh, American video series about America's Christian heritage. And it's a a very, very important thing for us to really understand. Oftentimes we just say America's a Christian nation, full stop, and that's what we are, (laughs) that's what we're all about. How do we rediscover America's Christian roots and find out what American liberty is really all about? Is God's hand of providence on this country? I believe it is. Has it always been? I believe it has. And I do believe that as people have come, to this country over the hundreds of years prior, up to 1776. I mean, America didn't just happen on July 4th, 1776. It didn't just happen with the Plymouth and the Mayflower and, you know, that the 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 pilgrims who came, you know, you had Native Americans that were greeted here or they were greeting them here when they got here. Uh, there obviously there was all sorts of bloodshed and things like that that made America what it was. But at that moment when American liberty, we God's hand of providence, when the founders said, hey, let's start a nation. Um, I believe that in their heart of hearts, that God had a plan and purpose for this nation. And if there's anything that has messed that up, it's just been us, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, Rediscovering America's Christian roots, the road to independence, these are great videos and this part of the American Liberty series. And we do have a video on the life of George Washington that we will be giving away on the other side of this break. So get your dialing fingers ready. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break here. And when we resume this conversation, more of Jerry Newcomb's uh, discussion with me about American liberty, the foundations thereof, and rediscovering America's Christian roots on the road to independence. It's a fascinating conversation. More with Jerry Newcomb coming up next as the bottom line continues. Dr. Jerry Newcomb, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marshall. We are discussing one of the seven impactful uh, videos in a brand new series from uh, the Providence Forum and uh, the ministry of Dr. D. James Kennedy. The one we're talking about today is The Road to Independence. And this is one of seven. Talk about the whole foundation series, Dr. Newcomb, if you would, before we go any further, because this sure. is a, it, it's, a great, uh, it's a great resource, I think, for churches, for Christian schools. Um, this is just a great resource for us as Christian Americans to have. Well, Dr. Peter Lowback, the
1: founder of Providence Forum, basically gave uh, that ministry to D. James Kennedy Ministries. And I've been working on this this series about America's Christian roots for years because I felt like it all began, frankly, with the 400th anniversary of Plymouth. I didn't really see anybody out there banging the drum saying, hey, the pilgrims were very significant, and this is the 400th anniversary of Plymouth and then uh, for last year was uh, 2021 was the 400th anniversary of the first thanksgiving in america uh, you know in the in the pilgrim experience Mm -hmm. and this is an annual holiday so that was the first series and i thought well i'm going to work on these programs i better add some you know i i'm going to do an interview with this guy and an interview with that guy then i want to you know have tell america's story in in a larger way so we have a whole segment about George Washington, a whole episode on him because he's so instrumental in America's history. And, and frankly, he was a Christian. Dr. Peter Lobach and I wrote a book called George Washington's Sacred Fire. Hmm. And it's a 1200 page book. And it, it documents wow. the, uh, the Christian faith of America beyond, I mean, of, of George Washington beyond a reasonable doubt. We have a whole uh, segment about the uh, declaration of independence that one's called endowed by their creator a whole segment about the bible and education it was pivotal for america and uh that's called the beginning of wisdom a city on a hill that is an episode dealing with all the different colonies going beyond the plymouth and with the pilgrims we have a whole episode just telling their story because they even though they were outcasts social outcasts and they just wanted to worship Jesus Christ and the purity of the gospels. They understood mm. it. They didn't want to be bothered by, you know, by anybody and so forth. They ended up, though, casting a very long and positive shadow in, a, in the American experience. They even began the process of what culminated in the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. And, and basically, Osginis puts it well in one sentence. He said, the biblical idea of covenant gave rise to the american constitution mm. and it was the pilgrims that that started that whole process and by god's grace we were able to get all kinds of wonderful guests to comment in these different programs including alveda king the niece of martin luther king yes, Jr. yes. i'm not saying that every one of them is in every single episode but we got jenna ellis dr walter williams uh, from george mason university dennis prager uh, Bill Federer, David Gibbs the third, Peter Lilback, um, Eric Mataxis, mm-hmm. and did I mention Oz Guinness? I don't know. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we, we I'm just so blessed uh, with the way it worked out with all these different guests to comment on on different aspects. Again, they're not all in all of the episodes, but uh, they they help tell the story. Now, in the Road to Independence, a tremendous guest there is Dan. Fisher. He wrote a book called Bringing Back the Black Robed Regiment. And Dan Fisher is has done a lot of research on the subject of what I was talking about earlier, the Black Robe Regiment. Uh-huh. And, and one of my favorite sections in this road to independence contrasts the thinking of two minister brothers. They were the Muhlenberg brothers. And the younger one, Peter John Gabriel Muhlenberg, was actually uh, the, the uh, the prototype for Mel Gibson in his movie, The Patriots. You mm. remember a scene yes. where a pastor got up and he preached, you know, there's a time for everything under the sun, Ecclesiastes three, there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. And then he takes off his robe and he's, he's dressed like a colonial, you know, regiment leader and so forth. That's patterned after Peter, John Gabriel and Muhlenberg that actually happened. And he recruited about 300 men. Uh, from the church and from from surrounding churches uh, to help in, to defend their homeland. That's the bottom line, the way they they understood it. And so, but his brother, his older brother, who was a minister, they were they started out in the Lutheran tradition. And anyway, his older brother Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, who was based in New York City, so he writes a letter to his his younger brother. What are you doing? You're getting too involved in politics. And his brother writes back, Well, you're just a Tory sympathizer, and <laughs> and you know they go back and forth. And then what happened was, as Bill Federer points out in our documentary, then when the British, uh, you know, invaded New York City, and then they they basically they targeted a lot of these different churches, and they either burned them down or they turned them into stables, you know, and they just they desecrated them and so forth. And Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg had a change of heart. Later on, he got involved as a Christian pastor, but in, in politics, from a, a biblical perspective, he went on to serve, in fact, in the first U.S. House of Representatives as, as a congressman. And he was the first speaker of the House mm. of the United States. So the, the post that Nancy Pelosi has right now was first held by a minister of the gospel of mm. uh, Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, who believed at one point in his life, ministers shouldn't get involved in, in politics. Yes, It's one thing to, to get involved in partisan politics and to, you know, in some ways, sell your soul to the political process. That's not right. What we're talking about here is ministers and lay people being salt uh, and light in yes. this wicked and de- decaying culture. And, you know, and if that involves sometimes political involvement So be it.
0: You know, that's such an encouraging word of counsel from Dr. Jerry Newcomb today here on The Bottom Line, the executive director of Providence Forum, talking about this brand new DVD uh, the road to independence that I, we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, it was so encouraging to hear you talk about the, the, the p- pastoral component of this and God's providential component as well, because at the end of the day, we know that America, you know, warts and all is still the great, I believe, the greatest nation to ever exist uh, in, in, in our lifetimes and beyond that. But that hand of providence of God is, is the proof. That, God, that this is the great experiment because when we have gone astray, we've been able to course correct. When we started out you know, in, in what seemed like open rebellion against the crown, it was because God was leading us in that direction. Uh, Jerry, we've got about three minutes left in our time together here. Talk about what your the response has been like to this DVD in particular and what your hope is for the whole series.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, and ProvidenceForum.org, by the way, is a place where I keep information, including feedback on these different programs and so okay. forth. And uh, so I think some people have been surprised to see, you know, that, that ministers were involved that, you know, in, in any of these political things. So, and what I hope for the whole series is that people will really learn about our Christian roots and the, the, the debt that we owe to those who sacrificed so much. I mean, we're living in a time, frankly, when, you know, some people are trying to, uh, penalize christianity or certainly keep it from the public square they're they're trying to interpret the first amendment which is you know the first amendment of the constitution which is the first part of the bill of rights right. and who was the man in charge of having that shepherded shepherded and to be accepted and adopted into the us constitution frederick augustus Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg. yeah first speaker of the house they adopted the, the First Amendment and the first 10 amendments. You know, and with, that's what we call the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And and how does the, the Bill of Rights begin? The First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Then it goes on to list or enumerate other particular rights like the free uh, speech and assembly, the printing press, you know, et cetera. But bottom line is the first freedom listed is a religious freedom uh, amen and and but here's what's happened is in in the last 20 30 40 years in some of the courts jurisprudence uh, not not most recently but you know 20 30 40 years ago they got it wrong and and they they basically said that this establishment clause means that you know you can't allow any I'm paraphrasing any sneaky vestige of religion out in the public square here or there mm-hmm. because the founding fathers wouldn't have had that well, that's ridiculous. That George Washington, first president, was sworn in. How was he sworn in? On the Holy Bible. It doesn't say that you needed to do that in the Constitution, but that was the custom of the day, and 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 every father, you know, every president has done that ever since. And and in George Washington's case, not only did he say, "So help me God," so so have them all ever since, following in his train. But George Washington, following a custom of the Anglican Church of his day. He leaned over, bowed down, and actually kissed the Holy Bible. Mm. I've seen video, by the way, of Harry Truman when he was sworn in uh, as our whatever president number what, yeah. was it 30, 33 or something yeah, 33, like that. 33. And and, uh, and he did that. He, he had his hand on the Holy Bible. And then when he was finished sworn in, he leaned over and he kissed the Bible. You can see video wow. of that. Bottom line is, in this day when some are trying to say the first amendment means you can't have any religious and you know religious influence in the public square baloney the, the founding fathers didn't believe that certainly not the settlers of America America was begun largely by christians for religious liberty mm-hmm. which they then extended to others and now our religious freedom is being denied us that's just un-American. Yeah. It playing really plans? is,
0: especially when you look at the research that you've done and that you present in this brand new uh, video series. Dr. Jerry uh, Newcomb has been our guest today here on The Bottom Line. The Road to Independence is the name of this installment of the foundational series from of uh, the Providence Forum. We've got links for all the trailers and all the information you want for Providence Forum and beyond up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Jerry Newcomb, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us today on The Bottom Line.
1: Thank you, Roger. I've enjoyed it.
0: Likewise, indeed. And for those of you who just caught the tail end of that, or if you were listening to this and you want to see the conversation that Jerry and I just had, uh, at the end of the program today, uh, Tamra and I will be putting the Zoom up at myhopenow.com. So if you want to check that out, uh, at myhopenow.com, there's a big uh, picture of me. Just go ahead and click on the bottom line show stuff. You'll find all that content. It'll be making its way to uh, that uh, site uh soon and very soon uh this uh, american liberty series is so really helpful and uh earlier in our conversation jerry mentioned the george washington dvd is so very very powerful and uh, it's a very popular one too we have two copies of this to give away right now and teresa standing by taking your calls 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line here on this super tuesday why not get a copy of the video uh, talking about George Washington and the role that he played in America's spiritual Christian heritage. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Here at Bright, we are proud to recommend Stephanie and Jim Cover of Cover Law because they take such good care of their clients.
3: I was coming home. It was like two days before Christmas and I was sitting at a bottom of a hill and somebody just came smashing into me. Like they didn't even break or anything. They were coming down a steep hill. The people that hit me had no insurance, no license, no proof of anything. I had a lot going on in my life at the the time. I was busy at work. I was doing a lot of overtime. My husband came down with cancer. That was really a hard point in my life for my husband and I. She was by my side trying to help me through the accident and giving me personal support and telling me to keep the faith. And I was all ready like to, you know, throw in the towel and she, she just kept me going. They're just hardworking people. They know their stuff. They're very educated. They make you feel comfortable. They stick with you all the way. I used them as attorneys. Now they're friends. And once in a while, I tease them. Do I need to get in trouble so I could retain you guys? <laughs> I'd do anything to help those guys. I highly recommend them. I mean, I haven't had need for an attorney before, and I fell into the right hands.
0: In the event of an accident, call Cover Law right away, 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. My thanks again to Dr. Jerry Newcomb, the executive director of the Providence Forum. Providenceforum.org is where you find information about uh, everything we were just talking about during the past half hour here on the Bottom Line Show. And for those who listen live on KCBC every Monday through Friday from 3 30 to 4 o'clock Pacific time, I encourage you to go to thebottomlineshow.com or rogermarsh.com and you can hear the podcast version of uh, our program once the audio is done. And the program's done for the day. Tamara dutifully posts it to thebottomlineshow.com, which is linked at my website, rogermarsh.com. And I encourage you to check out that information. 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have not one, but two. I still like a 60s game show host. Not one, but two of these. George Washington DVDs, they're part of the American Liberty series uh, produced by Providence Forum, and they're outstanding. The uh, The Road to Independence is one of them, and it talks about America's Christian heritage. And I, you know, one of the things that uh, we've seen more and more in the culture here in the States, which I think is really healthy, is people asking the question, well, what about our background? What about our American history? Why is it that so many people have such a skewed view of American history and don't really want to know the whole thing? Well, I don't know that it's people don't want to know all of American history. I think it's people don't really fully understand how broad the scope is of everything that went into shaping this nation. And oftentimes the tendency for us as human beings is, well, let's remember, and we talked about this with uh, uh, Dr. Sheehan last week, the MIT scholar, Dr. Thomas Sheehan. Remember his concept, every when? You know talking about god and science and kind of marrying the two faith and, and the scientific community he said you got to remember in god's economy god is omniscient omnipresent omnipotent so god is literally everywhere but every when we live in time we are the ones with alarm clocks we're the ones who look at stopwatches and countdown points and we measure everything by time the bottom line show airs from 3 to 4 30 p.m Pacific time zone Monday through Friday. There are 24 time zones in the culture. And by the way, there's a spot at the South Pole I just read over the weekend where all the time zones converge. You can literally be in the past, present, and future all at the same time, I guess if you could stand the temperature. And my childlike heart says, and if you don't mind being upside down because you're in the South Pole. But the idea of the, the, the space and time continuum, I really, it becomes more a matter of looking at the American story from all of history, as opposed to looking for the American story from when we believe it began. I mean, you ask most people about America's history, and what's the first thing they do? July 4th, 1776. Then you ask other people, well, what about, was it November 1620, the Pilgrims? Or what about 1492, Christopher Columbus? Or what about the Spanish invasions of you know, different parts of North America. What about the French in Canada and, uh, and also in Louisiana? Remember, I mean, the first 30 years the U.S. was the U.S., there was the Louisiana purchase of that territory that was all owned by the French. I mean, th- there's there's such a varied history in the United States. And so to pick a particular starting point, you might say, well, now, wait a minute. I mean, we started on Jan- July 4th, 1776. So that's the beginning of American history. Well, what happened in North America and South America up until that point? When I maintain that America is a Christian nation and God's hand of providence has always been on it, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything went right. I said this in the outset and I'll say it again. Mankind has a will, there's sin in the world, and I'm not saying sin's gonna overcome God because obviously it doesn't and it didn't. Jesus Christ overcame sin and death and hell on the cross. God will never be defeated by sin. But when people who are God's children are interacting with people who are not God's children, chaos can potentially ensue. And what we're seeing in the culture right now, I believe is a great reckoning. It's a great awakening. I think it's wonderful. God is in the process of redeeming all of his creation to himself. And as he's redeeming, what he's doing, quite frankly, is he's pulling out some of the weeds. He's shaking loose some of the wrong and bad thinking and bad theology that has plagued our nation and other nations like it for millennia for generations and now we're beginning to look at the actual truth so we look at a nation like the us and we don't just say okay uh everything started." okay it didn't start on july 4th it started on july 2nd yeah (laughs) well or it started the day the constitution was signed or the day we emancipated slavery you know there are so many milestones in american history and this is the thing about God's providence. The tendency in our culture, I believe, would be for people to look at America and say, well, I'm only going to look at the good things that God did that I think don't make us look bad, and therefore that's America. And then other people will say, no, it's all bad, 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 bad. Go back to the uh, you know, the 10th century, bad, bad. And, and it's not all that way either. But quite frankly, brothers and sisters, this is the thing that is, is driving me, and, and I offer it as an encouragement to you. Scripture tells us that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Knowing the truth about your sin and my sin. And I don't want to know the truth about your sin. That's between you and God. Just like I got to deal with my own stuff. But the reality is God was God loves us all equally, but not all the same. And so he steps into our lives when he does. The offer of salvation is there. He gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe I don't think any natural person can say, hmm, Based on my own thoughts and accomplishments and rationalization, I I need a savior. That's a supernatural transaction. As we grow in our Christian faith, we begin to see how great we need a savior and how wonderful it is that Jesus is our savior and our Lord. The older we get, we understand the gravity, the depth of our sin. We couldn't possibly understand it when we were younger in our faith, let alone when we made our profession of faith. And God graciously, mercifully, and kindly turns us from our sin toward the sanctification that is a result of our salvation. So, if that happens with us spiritually, why wouldn't would that happen? Why would that not happen with us in other aspects of our lives? Why would we not be able to take a look then at the history of a nation, or the history of a government, or a relationship with a person? I, I have to admit, over the past decade, I'm amazed at the number of people that I used to consider friends who either I've fallen away from them or they've fallen away from me for this very reason. Because we begin to see each other for who we really are. And ironically, it's people outside the church who are like, hey, I want to get to know you more. And people who I knew in the church are kind of like, I'm not so sure about you. And I'll look back and say, I'm not so sure about you either. Isn't that wild? So we can learn from the example of George Washington, we can learn from this film series like uh, the uh, Providence Forum puts together, but we could do so with the full knowledge that ultimately we want God, we want his kingdom to rule and reign, we want heaven. America is our best shot at getting heaven on earth right now, but it still needs a lot of work. And so we can understand the good parts of our history, but let's not back away from the parts that aren't so good. I meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds who say the same thing. Why didn't anyone tell me this before about take your pick? And we can never stop learning. So may we as Christians continue to seek truth, which will lead us to seek justice. God's truth, God's justice, not what the world wants us to see. The world's going to keep showing us just those little tiny pieces that reinforce what they want us to know. Fear sells, so the more afraid they can keep us, the better. But God says, look, perfect love casts out fear. And that's why as more and more Christians are having this type of awakening, I believe that's part of God's providence too. It may be the most important part for us right now. Still taking your calls at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. We have two of these George Washington videos that are part of the American Liberty Series from the Providence Forum. Uh, outstanding done. And when you look at the those who participate in this whole series, looks like a who's who of the bottom line show guest list. Eric Metaxas, uh, Jenna Ellis, uh, the, the list goes on. And of course, Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who's a regular contributor to The Bottom Line Show. I've got two of these George Washington DVDs to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through. Got a couple more minutes here in our drawing for a couple of DVDs uh, from the, uh, the Providence Forum. Their American uh, Liberty series, uh, The Road to Independence, is one of them. We've got the one featuring the uh, Christian testimony of George Washington that we're giving away right now. We've got two of those to give away as well. So you've got twice the opportunity to win, uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, did you see this story uh, it was reported last week? Our friend, Billy Halliwell, a regular contributor to the Bottom Line Show, who writes for Faithwire, uh, was reporting about a video, you might have seen this, a pastor in New York City, who apparently uh, got on the wrong side of somebody because there was a uh, an event that happened uh, a couple months prior where he uh, attempted to turn in someone who was robbing somebody else or whatever. We'll get to that in just a moment. Um, Bishop Lamar Whitehead is the pastor of the Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries uh, Church in Brooklyn, New York. They were live streaming their service when in the middle of the actual service, as Bishop Whitehead was up getting ready to preach the sermon, some armed robbers came into the worship center. They forced the pastor to the ground, hands behind his head the whole bit, they found him and his wife and robbed them right there on the live stream. They just robbed them, took their stuff, jewelry, money, whatever they had. Interestingly enough, one commenter pointed out, uh, if you look at the video, the associate pastor, it appears, is also sitting up in the pulpit area, and he, they don't want him. They want Bishop Whitehead. So he's robbed, and afterwards he... Goes on Instagram and confirms what, in fact, had happened. Um, here's the interesting thing, though. I mean, it's it's pretty bizarre, but maybe not uncommon for something like this to happen to a pastor in a house of worship in a place like Brooklyn, where there's lots of people. And the fact that you see it on live stream because they were live streaming the service—that's one of the things I think that's here to stay after the pandemic. But what's interesting is, police identified the pastor, of course, and his wife, so the NYPD came in, they took a look at it, but evidently the value of the jewelry that the pastor and his wife had on them was at least $400,000. Some estimates say it might be as much as a million dollars. Now, let me ask you a question, and I mean this in all sincerity, I'm not a big jewelry person. I have purchased jewelry for my wife, of course. I mean, got her agent ring, wedding ring. I know what those are. Uh, not $400,000. I love Lisa more than my life, and I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> That's working Christian radio, pastor in a small church. I don't have that kind of money. What do you think, though, about a pastor and his wife coming to church on a Sunday morning with $400,000 worth of jewelry on between the two of them? i'm really curious to get your take on this we're going to keep the phone lines open at 800-227-5278 do you think it helps a pastor credibility wise or do you think pastors should be carrying around that much jewelry on their person at church i'm curious i want to get into some of the pros and cons as to why that would happen 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the Bottom Line Show. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day with Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Coming up next, though, for those who remain on the network, we're going to get into this conversation, and I'd love to hear your opinion. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the Bottom Line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm chuckling. Uh, Joel and I were just talking about this during the break. Um, We do interviews and giveaways and stuff, kind of the show breaks up into different segments, you know, half hours or so. And we're moving on here now into this conversation about the bishop in New York who he and his wife were robbed during a worship service and wound up being relieved of over $400,000 worth of jewelry during the service. During that last like little two minute push at the end of the uh, last half hour. Uh, the phone lines went nuts and everybody wants the DVDs of George Washington. So uh, keep calling. Teresa will take your calls, 800-227-5278. We have two of them to give away and uh, we'll take, keep taking calls for those who want them until we get enough. And then we will we got a big prize bowl and we just reach in there and pull them. Uh, by the way, if you were calling to win something or anything, everyone Wednesday is tomorrow. Every Wednesday is everyone Wednesday. Hey, let's get into this here because I know what it's like to be a pastor to church. I know what it's like to be in the pulpit. I've been in situations where we've had that odd moment where someone has a medical emergency, or maybe someone comes in off the street—you know, a homeless person comes in—and they they might not be, uh, you know, in a good state mentally, where they, uh, you know, can actually, uh, you know, participate in the service in a way that isn't disruptive. Um, you know, it, it happens. And it's something that you have to, you know, as you're managing crowd control and things like that in pastoral ministry, it's like that if you were doing a speaking engagement or anything else. I mean, it's just, it's the world that we live in and it's going to happen. There's no question about it. But our friend Billy Halliwell at faithwire.com uh, tells a story of a, uh, a pastor by the name of Lamar Whitehead, Bishop Whitehead, was in the pulpit at the Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries Church in Brooklyn. And about 1115, this was a week ago Sunday, uh, while Bishop Whitehead was preparing to give his sermon, uh, some armed bandits literally came into the church. They had their eyes on Bishop Whitehead and his wife. They didn't uh, go after anybody else in the congregation there. They only wanted the pastor and they only wanted his wife. And basically, what they 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 robbed them of everything that they had on them in terms of their material possessions. I mean, they left their clothes and stuff like that. Uh, didn't take a Bible. I mean, you know. But it, can you imagine what it'd be like? You're in the middle of Sunday morning service. You're worshiping the path. You know, the music's been great. There's been a reading of scripture, maybe a baptism of a child or two or new members, talking about all the great things the church is doing, and then you get to that part where the the gospel is going to be proclaimed. And all of a sudden, a couple of masked gunmen come in. And they rob your pastor right in front of the entire congregation. Uh, Bishop Whitehead took to his Instagram account after the service and said, look, this thing was traumatizing. You know, I mean, there's no question. Maybe his wife was in tears. There were a lot of women in the church. Um, he said, you know, uh, when this all happened, his word to the thieves was, hey, you did this to the church. The, the, the NYPD is searching for you. I mean, come on, we're in here praising the Lord and you guys run inside a church and try to hold us up. He said, look, the, the, the police are looking for you. At one point, he said, look, you're coming up on a church. Come on, you've got women and children crying because they're so traumatized. That's not gangster. He says, that's a layup. Oh, yeah, I robbed a church. You don't get any points for that, any street credibility. Now, it's conceivable that the reason why these guys came in and tried to rough up the church a little bit, I mean, that still sounds weird. You know the expression that they use, uh, I think, in the uh, in the criminal world, because I've seen enough cop shows on TV. They talk about knocking over someplace. I knocked over a bank. I knocked over a liquor store whatever like that. Does anyone ever say I knocked over a church? Apparently, there was a man called Daniel Enriquez, who was an executive with Goldman Goldman Sachs. He was killed by some gang types on a New York subway back in May. And apparently, Bishop Whitehead had some kind of connection to trying to capture the suspect. And so with that happened, the media got involved. They wanted to do an interview with him and all of a sudden he's all over the media and he's, turns out he has a very nice car. He's got some pretty nice stuff. But all told, the value of the jewelry that was taken from the pastor and his wife totaled over $400,000. Now, If you pay attention to jewelry at all, I'm saying this, I'm looking at my wedding ring, it was not $400,000, wasn't even $200,000. There are some people who, I mean, you can buy a lot of nice jewelry that costs a lot of money. We don't typically think of people in the body of Christ having that kind of wealth, but if you've been around ministries that have wealthy benefactors, I've met some Christians that are worth a lot of money. And they've done a lot of great things with the resources. So, I mean, I uh, God hasn't blessed Lisa and me with a ton of money, but I can recall at one point uh, working for a ministry and the chairman of the board of the ministry was worth $50 million. And he was, you would never would have known it by hanging out with this guy. He was nice, humble. He talk about the apostle Paul. He had been in plenty and he had been in want. And during that season, he was in, a very good position financially, and he was helping a couple of nonprofit organizations and doing tremendous ministry with it. I mean, think about how much it costs to build your church, you know? And I think most people are comfortable with that. But then when you see a pastor and his wife show up to church and they're wearing $400,000 worth of jewelry, and driving a Rolls Royce or a really, really nice car, then you have to ask the question well, are you comfortable? with a pastor like that. Would you attend a church with a pastor who has that kind of wealth? Now, Bishop Whitehead is one one of the first people to defend the fact that he has this stuff. He says, look, I was born without jewelry. The jewelry didn't make me. I mean, if someone wants to come take all my stuff, I, I get it. But at the same time, then a lot of people in the media are asking, well, do you really need $400,000 in jewelry. The authorities, by the way, who did a little researching on replacement value of the stuff that they reported having been stolen, they said that actually the jewelry could be worth nearly a million dollars. This is a pastor and his wife. And I know a little bit about expensive cars. I know that a Rolls Royce is way too rich for my blood, but the pastor drives one. So I'm curious as to what you think. 800-227-5278. And I, and I mean this most sincerely. I don't come in here to this conversation with an ax to grind, but I know a lot of people are talking about this, and I wanted to kind of take our collective temperature here. Do you begrudge a pastor and his wife from having that much money in terms of material possessions? I mean, I, and, and again, there's no right or wrong answer here. We're just going to take an informal poll. 800-227-5278. Now, someone might say, what do you mean there's no right or wrong answer? We're not supposed to covet. We're not supposed to you know, live extravagantly. We're supposed to live simply and this, that, and the other thing. Well, I I, I understand that. But who determines that? Back to my uh, colleague at the ministry, this is 10, 12 years ago, who was worth $15 million. If you went out and had a burger with him at a baseball game, you wouldn't know that. He didn't flaunt it. Matter of fact, he was one of the most simple living guys. Okay, he lived in a really nice house and he did have a yacht, <laughs> but I never went on the yacht, but I always looked at the way he treated us, the way he treated other people. and He was a very, very nice down to earth guy, but I'm curious, 800-227-5278. What do you say to the parishioner who says, this is my church and I'm okay with my pastor wearing a million dollars worth of jewelry, driving a Rolls Royce. the number to get you through to the bottom line show. We'll go to the phones on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6%
2: CD alternative. You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, hold on to it, and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market? You go back. You want to put it into a CD? You go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator
0: of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you could earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800 696 9970. 800 696 9970 for simply better alternatives. 800 227 5278, the number that gets you through to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Bishop Lamar Whitehead, uh, the pastor in Brooklyn, New York, who. Uh, came to fame, not that he wanted to do it this way, but he's the guy who uh, uh, was literally forced to the ground at gunpoint during a worship service. He and his wife were relieved, as they say, of their jewelry. And when the police report was uh, filed with the authorities, the authorities uh, estimated that the value of the jewelry that was stolen from them was anywhere between $400,000 and $1 million. Uh, Their Rolls-Royce was not harmed during the attack that happened during their worship service at the uh, Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries Church in Brooklyn, New York. But our question for today is just taking a look at the idea. I mean, it really got a lot of people's attention thinking about the idea that a pastor would have that much jewelry on him and that a pastor's wife would have that much jewelry on her at a worship service. And it got me thinking because I'll be honest with you, I, I've i never gone to a worship service before where I look at the pastor and said, oh, wow, look at his watch. I mean, I, just, I really haven't at all. Not during the service. I mean, I, I it's inconceivable to me that something like this would happen, but it looks like it was a uh, retaliatory strike by uh, a couple of local gangsters who were mad at the fact that the bishop did, in fact, have testimony, he believed, that could help lead to the case of a, a Goldman Sachs executive who was attacked on a local subway. So this was like a payback crime. We'll embarrass you in front of your church. But talk about an embarrassment of riches. So it just got me thinking, what do you think about a pastor having that much jewelry on him and his wife having that much jewelry on her in a worship service? 800-227-5278. Let's go to the phones now. Virginia in Long Beach. Virginia, welcome to the bottom line. Yes, hi. Hi, Virginia. How are you?
4: I'm fine, and you?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you. What do you think about this pastor situation? It's terrible that they were robbed in the middle of church, but the fact that they had so much jewelry, valuable jewelry on them, how do you feel about that?
4: I feel, to me, it's okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. I have
4: no problem with it, you know, because I want my pastor, I'm not saying that's the best, you know, having a bunch of expensive jewelry on you, but I want my pastor to always... Uh, how could I say it? You know, I think, you know, it's a blessing. You know, he didn't, he didn't steal or nothing. So I figure it's a blessing that he has that and he can live like that. Because nowadays we have mega churches. So, if you know, if they got a mega church, you know, you know what their income probably is. Yeah. So it's no, its no problem with me. And I try my best to give into the ministry that I am a, a part of.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
4: always try to make sure um, if, I, if I, I think I need to give more, that I'm re- uh, acquired by the Bible, which I can't say that I'm uh, giving more than God would have me to give. But I, I, I like my pastor and his wife to live good. And I, I don't pray that they would get harmed for having this, you know, the jury on them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's okay when we see others that—I'm not going to say I know I for sure who's in the church and who's out of the church, have a lot of jury and stuff on them. It's okay for us when we see them th- with this stuff on. So I, I figure it's okay. That's yeah. okay cause that we have men in the Bible that had a lot of wealth and had a lot of jewelry and had a, you know, so it's yeah. okay with me.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, Virginia, and I'm glad you bring up this point because before we start trying to count their money, you know, and seeing what they've got, uh, take a look at the recent survey that said about 90% of people who are in full-time ministry right now, especially uh, pulpit ministry, are stressed about money. They're concerned about it. And, you know, it's one of those things where I, I realized that if you look in Scripture, take the Apostle Paul's example, for example, where he says, hey, look, you know, I didn't want to be a burden to you. I should be paid for what I'm doing, but I'm going to go make tents because I don't want you guys to hassle it. I think there's kind of an agreement that happens between the congregation and their pastor as to how much this person is earning and how much you know, this, the, 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 the family, quote unquote, needs. You look at the area around you and say, here's what you do. Now, one thing that the pastor said in this case was when people asked him why you have this stuff, he said, look, I work hard for this, but he did not indicate whether or not he had other sources of income. And I think that's key. Uh, You might find that there, I I know of one pastor who's actually been on this program many times before, and I won't mention his name because he would be embarrassed by this, but uh, when he started his pastoral ministry at a church in the Southwest, he started writing books and the books became wildly popular. And he started selling literally hundreds of thousands of copies of hardback books where he made a very substantial royalty to the point where he actually went to his elder board and said, look, I'm doing great selling books, so you don't need to pay me anything. And they said, oh, no, we do. And they got into a little bit of an argument about it because he said, look, I don't, I don't need to be paid as the pastor. I will gladly be your pastor volunteer because right now, anyway, every time I write a book, it sells 400,000 copies and I make a dollar a copy, you know, so I'm, I'm doing fine. But they reminded him that the church had an operational structure and they wanted to make sure that if it got to the point where he was stepping away from pastoral ministry, he would not, uh, you know, if all of a sudden if they'd bring somebody in, they got so used to not paying the pastor. They, uh, they would be in a a bit of a hardship. So instead, the agreement they worked out was they paid him a salary, which he donated back to the church. And that worked out fine. But you know, there are a lot of pastors who pastor churches right now that are millionaires because of the work they do outside the church. So the question then is, okay, well, in this case, Bishop uh, uh, Whitehead is saying, hey, look, I worked hard for my money, but he did not say I'm only getting it out of donations. And I think that's where our head goes. Oftentimes, our head goes to the well, the only reason you have this much money is because you work for the church and we're paying your salary. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, look at my example. I mean, for uh, the up until uh, the end of last year, I was on staff at Lutheran Church of the Cross as a teaching pastor. I served as interim campus pastor for our satellite campus at Aliso Viejo, and I did the bottom line show. So I earned income from both. That was part time at the church. I was full-time for a little bit, but it was part-time there and part-time here. I have lots of different my wife likes to call them streams. They're all pretty, they're little drips. They're not <laughs> I do work with Dr. Dobson's family talk, and it's it's all kind of it comes together and makes a, a fairly decent salary, but it's not a huge amount by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, if people would look at me and say, Well, I'm gonna take a look at Roger's car, I'm gonna take a look at Roger's house or whatever, we live in a very modest home, you know. But some people might look at it and say, it's a really nice home. So I, I'm trying to be as ambivalent as I can about this because it would be very easy to look at the situation of Bishop Whitehead and say, there's no way any pastor in America with suffering around the world and the need for building churches and this, that, and the other thing should be making that kind of money to where he can afford that kind of jewelry. But if Virginia just said, hey, I want my pastor to be taken care of. We don't want our pastor to be struggling and worried about money and we're okay with that in our congregation. So what say you? I'd love to get a contrarian point of view to hear the opposite of that. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsha, that great song from John Elefante, uh, Stronger Now. It was so nice to have John on the program with us a couple of months ago to talk about that album. And uh, we've still got it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com if you haven't had a chance to hear it yet or pursue it. I highly recommend that you do. Um, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to The Bottom Line Show. We're talking about Bishop Lamar Whitehead. He, the pastor in Brooklyn, New York at the Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries Church, who was literally robbed during a live stream of his worship service. And the... uh, the criminals who came in to the worship center were specifically targeting him and his wife. There's a, a speculation that his involvement in trying to help solve a case earlier in the year, uh, there was a, uh, a a killing in a Brooklyn subway. A man by the name of Daniel Enriquez, who was an executive at Golden, Goldman Sachs, was actually uh, murdered in a New York subway. And uh, Pat Bishop Whitehead actually uh, was working with local officials, uh, he believed that he had uh, captured the suspect or could lead them to where the suspect was. Um, I don't know, in all honesty, where the church is with relation to if there are local thugs around it or, you know, <laughs> local criminals who try to make everyone's life miserable. But authorities did not uh, disagree with the statement that, you uh, um, the the bishop and his wife were wearing jewelry that was valued at at least four hundred thousand dollars possibly as much as a million dollars and when he was asked about you know are you being too flashy uh he also drives a rolls-royce uh he said well the media tried to and the media will do this too they said look at this pastor he's a bishop so-and-so and He's got uh, a rolls and he's got all this jewelry. They they literally began to refer to him as the bling, bling bishop, apparently. Um, but in all honesty, he said, after this attack, I'm not worried about how much money I do or don't have. I think, quite frankly, every pastor needs to be able to get a permit for a pistol and carry a weapon if need be. You know, and, and it's hard for our American brains to get our arms around that. But take a consideration, take a look at what is happening in Christianity all around the world and the great lengths that people have to go to to worship God. Take areas like Afghanistan. Remember, it was just about a year ago when the Biden administration decided that the U.S. was going to pull out of Afghanistan. We left zillions of dollars in money and equipment and weapons and things like that back there. But we also abandoned the second fastest growing church in the Middle East. And if you can imagine what it's like to be a Christian in Afghanistan right now, I don't think they're worried about what the pastor's wearing. Now, basically, um, uh, they're not worried about, you know, pastors getting all blinged out. Um, the pastors are more than likely volunteers. And if they're not going to prison on a regular basis, I remember talking with uh, Danny and KP Yohanan from uh, uh, GFA World, and we were at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention uh, last summer in Dallas, Texas, and they were both wearing cleric collars, or clerical collars, if you will—you know, the thing that they're common in the Catholic Church, Episcopal Church, some Lutheran churches—and they, um, they, they were wearing these, you know, black shirt with a white little band across the front. And I asked them, you know, why they did that, and Danny told me he said, "Well, we do this because in most of the countries where we are, Christianity is an anathema, but there's a huge level of respect for people who are quote-unquote men of the cloth." And so we know our pastors are going to get arrested for preaching the gospel. But if they're wearing something like this, that looks like they're Christians, looks like they're people of some religious group, then they get out of prison faster. So it really wasn't anything about, you know, uh, the, the custom or tradition. It was purely functional. And I think of pastors who have nice things. And Virginia's comment, I think, was very well taken. She said, hey, I don't, want, I don't want to go to church knowing that my pastor's up there and he's working three jobs trying to make ends meet. I mean, that's not to discount anybody who's bivocational in ministry. I know how that world works. But at their church, they say, look, we want to make sure that our pastor's taken care of. I, a dear friend of mine, who's one of my cardiac brothers, uh, pastor Freddie Cortez pastors a church in the Laguna Hills area, and it's similar situation for him. Uh, his wife's in the military. He, he they used to own a business. He had some health challenges. The business went south, and basically the congregation rallied around him, and they are supporting him now as their pastor. To the tune where he can afford to stay in the area, they just they stepped it up. They they it was a conscious decision by the congregation to pay the freight for them. and so I I appreciate a congregation that says, we will do this. We will make it happen. Um, but at the same time, who are we to go and start counting other people's money? Let's remember that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel first and foremost. We're to baptize those who receive that gospel in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. Amen. But at the same time, we want to be winsome. We want to be uh, presenting ourselves in a way that would make the gospel appealing to other people. And sometimes $400,000 worth the jewelry might be a huge distraction. Uh, congratulations to Albert from Concord and also Daniel from Temecula. They are the winners of our uh, George Washington DVDs, courtesy of our friends at the Providence Forum, providenceforum.org, where you can find out more about America's history with uh, the, uh, uh, america's providential history with christianity here in our nation so it's interesting how people will take a look at who we are as christians and what we do with our faith and at the end of the day it's not going to matter what people say about us and not going to matter what people think about us it's what do they do with the gospel message that they're sinners they can't free themselves and they need salvation and jesus is the only way is that the message we're presenting that's the bottom line